Welcome to the podcast called Call Out Culture. It is me, one of the hosts and creators, Zilla Rocco, with my good friends, Alaska and Curly Castro. <laughs> we are jazzed people. to talk to you, the listeners. Whoa, yo, we're here. Um, what's Guys, I haven't seen you in a couple weeks. I mean, I talk to Castro every fucking t- t- 10 minutes. Me and Alaska have been hate texting about Kevin Smith a lot. But otherwise, how are you guys doing? <laughs> doing good, man. No complaints. no complaints. We got the shrapnel tour about to pop off. Yeah, we yeah, do. True that. What's this? Oh, Lord. What is that? We got me uh, Me and Andrew's all physicals have been mailed and shipped. Nice, Wait, nice, Waiting for nice. them fucking vinyls to come through. Uh, my wife and I just got done watching an incredible episode of Jersey Shore Family Vacation. So that's looking great. So I urge so, everybody so wait, to catch there's up. still Jersey Shore in that same group of people? Yeah. yeah. Like I saw Vinny's on Dancing with the Stars. He's, well, he's uh, also a stripper for Chippendales. Vinny. Yes. Wow. But for, the show did die for a little Alaska. I will say that. So it did yeah, die, it and then they brought did. them all back. Well, then they, ha- they all got their offshoots. So, so J-Well and Snooki had their show when they were in Jersey City. And then um, Vinny and Paulie had a dating show together. I cannot believe we're talking about. And then um, the situation got locked up. Yeah, he went to jail for tax evasion for like eight months. Um, but then in between that, they all had kids and got married, and now they just get paid to so go wait, on vacation they, every they two months. They procreated. They were able. To yeah, oh, yeah there's a bunch of them. Oh my god. Yeah, Dina. She just had her second kid. Snooki has like three kids. Oh, you know how those Italians like to procreate. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just saying this, this this particular breed of Italian. Oh, they should just started plus plus one should have been enough, but no. Yeah, well, yeah. Jay Wow has two kids. Um, Paul Paulie D has one child. Ronnie Ronnie's not even on the show of. anymore. Oh yeah, Ronnie's not even on the show anymore because he's been beat up at a rehab. Like his ex girlfriend who he knocked up just just beat the shit out of him all the time and ran him over. So now he's just. That he he got with a new girl and then like got involved in a domestic violence issue with her, so he's in rehab and he's clean. He's got new teeth. Ronnie's been trouble since day one. Ronnie's been off the fucking chain since '09. He's he's a wild boy. So uh, yeah, you got somebody you want around. You would you know maybe steroids, alcohol, and nonstop attention and adulation might fuck people up. (laughs) It might, yeah. Oh, I miss him. Ronnie was great. And then now Angelina's back. She They kicked her off the second season. Please stop. Break. Enough. <laughs> like, you got the whole tree of them coming and going back. I think this ties back. well Enough. into our topic tonight, actually. <laughs> I, don't, I don't think so. But well, I do dazzle, in the fact it. that it's completely disposable. If if you guys want to join my Patreon, we talk Jersey Shore family vacations. Just it's only five dollars a month. Just come through. We'll talk about it every week. I do the recaps. Right now, I can hear the people t- t- um, pressing the unsubscribe button. We just Zilla, lost Zilla and people. John Morrison do the recaps. <laughs> we just lost. We just lost. Oh, there goes the fourth subscriber. They, yeah. that, that's it. They're just leaving in the droves. The now, what we do is John gives me the historical perspective. He compares it to some of the classic episodes from 2010, and what are the parallels? So, like for example, this episode there was a a, a wine incident. That parallel season two when Snooki threw the bottle of wine at the situation in Italy. You see what I'm saying? 
and then you have you have uh, Gary Suarez come on and talk about how they'd all be better off if they just smoked weed. <laughs> yeah, he gets he gets uh, he gets like prominent indie rappers to come on and discuss like is it Jay Wow or Snooki? Like who they really pull for every so like this this week Safir is on to talk Jay Wow for Snooki. <laughs> Severe is on. Severe and backwash. Come on to discuss uh, Snooki versus JWoww. Who you got? Uh, anyway, no, this is not our Jersey Shore uh, mini episodes on my Patreon. This is our show. So, uh, Laskin, how could this tie into what we're talking about today? So, I today we want to talk about disposable how art. disposable our culture has come mm. has become, right. um, and not from like an artistic point of view because it's actually pretty vibrant artistically but more from the consumer perspective i think yes and and the way that things are consumed um it kind of kicked off with like that santa gold letter i think if we're mm. if i'm not mistaken at least our discussion of it yes so, so, she, so for the santa gold article that Alas is talking about which he, he may not read the full thing. It's pretty lengthy. Santa Cold just put out a new record. And I got wind of her um, general uh, anti- antagonistic views of the industry in the Sunday Inquirer a couple of weeks back where they're all excited to talk to her about her. She, you know, Beyonce name drops her a new song and she's about to kick off this tour. And uh, she's had, she had a couple of kids and she's in L.A., and they're like, oh, so you guys a new album, you know, new, new tour, Beyonce. How's it feel? She's like, the industry fucking sucks. And I was like, whoa, not where I thought this was going. This would be like a nice puff piece. And she just started, you know, railing on how it's not sustainable for people like her who don't want to, you know, have to put out 50 singles a year or try to go viral. You know, she's, I'm, I guess, probably in her mid 40s um having a family like basically like how do i just support a family off art like how how would that even happen for me so from the time that article came out to now she's canceled her tour and so now alaska has yeah some of those words so she put out a letter um talking about the reasons and it, it starts dear friends i'm both sad and proud to announce my decision to cancel the uh holified tour i thought it was holyfield i was about to say that um I'm sad because it breaks my heart to disappoint those who have consistently come out to show love and support me for what I do. Those of you that have bought tickets and planned trips to come and see me. When I think of disappointing you all, I feel the disappointment deep in the pit of my stomach as well. I was excited to finally be back with you in person to celebrate and bring the music of this new record to life. I know that without you, I would never have been able to continue making music for all these years, and I am so grateful. But for the past several years, we've all been through immense challenges, some physical, some mental, some spiritual, some economic. And yet, as we've begun to trudge on, much of the toll that's experienced has been left unattended as we rush back in, attempting to make up for lost time, reconnect, catch up uh, on bills unpaid, to escape the insanity that had begun to set in. For many of us, the landscapes we're re-entering are not the same. As a touring musician, I don't think anyone anticipated the new reality that awaited us. After sitting idle, not being able to do shows for the past couple years, many of us, like myself, uh, many of us, like everyone else, earning little to no income during that time, every musician that could rushed back out and immediately, when, immediately when it was deemed safe to do shows. 
We were met with uh, the height of inflation, gas, tour buses, hotels, flight costs skyrocketed. Uh, many of our tried and true venues unavailable due to a flooded market of artists trying to book shows in the same cities. The positive test results constantly halting schedules with devastating financial consequences. All of that on top of an already tapped mental, spiritual, physical, and emotional resources of just having made it through the past few years. Some of us are finding ourselves simply unable to make it work. In my case, I've tried and tried, looked at what would, uh, looked at, looked at what it would take from every angle, and I simply don't have it. I can't make it work. I'm actually going to elaborate on this later because I think. Um, I think it's important for people to know the truth of what it's like out here for artists. And I don't believe enough of, of us are talking about it publicly. Mm. I've seen a couple of articles start to emerge literally over the past few days. Just as I uh, started writing this letter to you about musicians canceling tours, prioritizing themselves over the demands of a, re of a relentless injury. Uh, but for now, I want to tell you that for me, it's taken a toll. Though anxiety, insomnia, fatigue, vertigo, chronic pain, and missing crucial time with my children. In the, in, in the place that I'm in, in the place that the music business is in, it feels like I've been hanging on, trying to make the ever distant finish line. But my vehicle's been falling apart the whole time. The bumper fell off, the wheels one at a time, the steering wheel, and finally the whole bottom fell out. And here I am thinking, should I just hold the doors up and run? And my little heart that's been working way beyond its limits, my whole body, in fact, and my soul too are screaming at me, no motherfucker, pull the fuck over. Um, I'm coming to you with the honesty that's inherent in my music. How could I release spirituals, an album about honoring yourself and refusing to crush your own, uh, your own boundaries and not take this opportunity to do just that for myself? I want you to understand that I'm proud to be canceling this tour um, when it means that I am proclaiming that I, that I, the person who writes these songs, is as important to me as the songs. I will not continue to sacrifice myself for an industry that's become unsustainable, for an uninterested and uninterested in the welfare of artists it's built upon. I love you all, and I hope to see you soon. Santa Bird. Just talked about how the tickets are going to be refunded, but I won't bring right. you all with that. Okay, Castro, you're someone that was about to go on the road before COVID hit. Mm -hmm. what, what? How does her statement ring true to you? It's now, someone going on the road. Well, the the world changed, but touring didn't. Um, the same way that these uh, and I don't even call them landlords; they're all slumlords now. They're raising the rent, but nobody's making more money. So, like, there's all these new variables that come with performing. And it's like, it's what I said. I, I was talking to my girl about it. And, um, you know, she, she's on a, she she doesn't really like masks and stuff no more. And she's kind of over it with certain things. But, like, I was saying, like, some jobs have to keep this thing up because you you can't go to work and this this weird anticipation that you're going to get sick. Right. That's, that's, not, that's not viable. You wouldn't take that type of job. And that's what our job is. We're going on the road and there's really no guarantee that we won't be sick. And us being sick halts 
us being on the road. Yep. So like immediately, like, you know, we have to pull the plug. We lose not just at that one location. We lose further locations. We have to shut down for a week, whatever like that. All these things are, are hinging on people's personal choice. And that and that's unfortunate. So I think what Santa Gold is getting to is like, look, if I play this thing and I only get through half of it, I lose all the money on the second half. I lose all of the prior investment I've made because people are allowed to make their personal choices when it comes to this infectious disease. And it's just not set up properly for artists to protect themselves. People come up to your merch table. They might mm-hmm. wear masks. They might not wear masks. People are touching things. It's just since everything's been pulled back and everybody kind of thinks, quote unquote, COVID is over. Then now we're playing catch up because we were, you know, we were definitely affected. Like she mentioned in her statement, we weren't able to work in that field for a while. Like, and then now everybody's trying to do it all at once at the same time. There's no staggering. There's no space. Like she's saying, there's there's artists bumping into each other in the same cities at the same venues because they're all trying to book at the same time to make up for um, money that was lost. So, I mean, um, I don't want to be long with it, but like a, a lot of things have changed, but the way they're treating us has not, you know what I'm saying? And there's, there's um, the guarantees should be stiffer and stronger, maybe provide tests. There's just a lot more variables than just showing up in a city and performing and getting the hell out of Dodge. Right. And there hasn't been any amenities or any infrastructure um, adjustments to counter, to, um, you know, to accommodate artists in this way. And it's just, um, you know, it's this your Kaga machine, you know, can you get up on stage, get up on stage and sing monkey? And then get off and get the hell out of there. But now there's other things that are that that there are new vulnerabilities, and mm-hmm. they're not taking care of us in that way. And that, when I'm saying the, I'm just meaning the establishment. They want you to get out there, and if you can't do it. Somebody else will do it. And, you know, there's no empathy in that in that field. Uh, Alaska, thanks for that, dude. Um, Alaska is someone who did decide to stop touring and shut it all down. You know, 35 years ago. What what's your what what's how did you react when you saw that? I mean, a, a lot of it felt familiar. Um, I think it's just there. There comes a time when you're doing this, and this is like your your source of income, and the way you make a living that you have to start weighing how much is worth that. Mm. like right the things that you're sacrificing for the it's like any other any other job like at a certain point it turns into a job right right like you're whatever job or field you're in you're going to start weighing the pros of make staying in that position against the cons of moving forward um and, and it really felt like one of those moments like i definitely like had all of those feelings before mm. I, I was fortunate that i didn't have the you know, a pandemic to deal with. Um, but you know, when you were like at the start of streaming in the end of physical sales, mm. it's a similar disruption to the industry where it's like, you know, the, the people that make money on it just switched. It's, it's no longer a record label. Now it's like brands co-opting your sort of cachet to make money. And it's like, they're still not paying you. They're trying to pay you in blue jeans. or you know like whatever it is and it's like there's no real concern for the people that make the industry run Mm. and provide the product which i think is like you know there's always like that sort of conflict between labor and management right um and i think the one element that we often forget about in that conversation is the consumer 
right who really like in my point of view like the consumer drives everything indeed um you know and it's the decisions that the consumer makes that control the way the dollars go um you know if consumers decide they're not paying for music doesn't matter what's going on right if consumers decide we don't care if if performers get sick we just want people out here Mm. it doesn't matter like you know it's about sort of the the problems with consumption and the way like that has changed over you know it's changed again right like it went from like to all streaming now it's like everybody's waiting a year for vinyl now because of this right um like we've almost come come full circle but i think in a lot of ways like we don't look at that like even in our culture in general like we don't look at like why factories have closed because we want eight hundred dollar tvs instead of three thousand dollar tvs right right like and that's we could say like it, it's greedy corporations but really it's it's greedy consumers more to, to me that's the way i see it i see it like but the, but the infrastructure is not counteracting that meaning like we're in a health crisis whether people oh, yeah, admit yeah. or not and we are in a field that doesn't provide health insurance yeah, it's oxymoronic. Certainly. You know what I'm saying? Like, so they're not trying to protect us even with that, yeah. that minuscule amenity. Yeah. But again, I guess the question becomes who provides the health insurance? Like, there's no infrastructure at all set up for any of that. Right. Right. Like, it's it's like. The, but now it's like we can't, we can't, you know, rap and hip hop is about circumventing things. We oh, can't yeah, make so, our way yeah. around it now because it's a worldwide crisis. So now, yeah. hey, we're in need of health insurance, but we don't even have an infrastructure to do so. No. But they still want us out there shucking and job oh yeah you know and that, yeah. that, that's the sadness of it and i and think that's crux of what she's she's on um, I, I i agree with that wholeheartedly but I, th- I think my point is like it's not it's not it's not as simple as like it's a greedy industry versus like you know the struggling artists it's the way that like we've commodified the culture yes. because of the consumer yeah mm. Like that's sort of the way I look at it. I've been thinking about this, a, a lot of these parts of the conversation for a long time, right? And I, I get caught in in these spaces in my life where I'm like wistful for you know, oh man, when things were like this, wow, th- there was kind of actually some valor to that. And then I'm like, yeah, but. I love my phone and I love technology and I love Wi-Fi and I love fucking podcasts and Spotify and Netflix and HBO Max and all that stuff. The Comixology app that I live on. And I was just like, I'm always caught between that of of what, where we are now. And like you said, what, what drives the behaviors of consumers because I'm a consumer. And then as people that create art and content and products and, you know, pay for it on our own and sell it and do whatever... I see, you know, the the business side of it, and like you said, what what people want now, where they want vinyl and want to wait, and that wasn't always the case. And how do you always manage that, right? So for someone like like Santi Gold, it's like she she came up. I feel like maybe like mid two thousands when the first album hit, right? Something like that, yeah. So she came along. I feel like right at the beginning of no one buying shit and. I remember her being kind of like tied into like Vice and like 
she was like MIA adjacent to her. Well, she's hometown hero. She's from Philly. And she's from Philly. And and you so, know, and then MIA, MIA existed. There's, but there, there's something we're missing here in, in the sense that because we're talking about consumers and, and how they ingest and play and, you know, enjoy the music. There, there was a, it's an unnatural opposition of tech versus art. Yes, that, I think this is going to be the main thing we get into. Yeah, and yeah. So, so like, go on, go on. So like the way we, you know, we strive for technology as just intelligent beings throughout our existence, we always trying to get to some next level. But it seems that it's now like almost like sliced into how we appreciate our art. So instead of it being like just the fact that you don't have to listen to an entire piece anymore. You can skip around. That alone, first that made it personal choice, then it led to mixtapes, then it, and now it's led to playlists, or then it led to singles, and then it led to digi singles, and now it's led to playlists, right? Where you can um kind of you know piecemeal your own version of, of these albums and stuff like that, and so that it's this is still a wondrous technology. I have a thousand songs in my pocket, but how? But doing it that way and storing it that way, while it might be a technological advancement, how many albums do I appreciate? Mm-hmm. Just because it's just not the nature of how we listen to things. So then it's this is not like being some old fogey. It's just it's truthful. Like once we were able to buy individual songs and then put them on um different devices and walk around them as portable, mm-hmm. the album loses its integrity. You know what I'm saying? Like I remember specifically, I you know, I tell this story at the time. I bought Intelligent Hoodlum. Um, for get, one, yo, for one song. We're gonna do shots even on, every time we talk about the Grand Groove remix. It's not even on Hoodlum. the record. You know what I'm saying? And if 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 there was iTunes or whatever, and I could press a little sample and be like, wait, this is not what I'm looking for. I wouldn't have bought it. I'm sorry. I love tragedy, but I would not have bought that record. So I'm just saying, like, these are things that we naturally want to strive and get to, and you know, play hip hop on the moon. Eventually, I don't care. But these things also slice into, I guess, um, pure absorption of the art, whatever that may be. And maybe we need to adjust our idea of that. Maybe we need to rethink about, you know, being purist and an album comes out and people listen to it front to back. And then maybe that's just the first week absorption. And then we right. move to the singles and we have to just get used to that. So I don't know. Well, this this ties into this quote from Ashton Kutcher, of all people, from the movie Vengeance which I've been obsessed with. Fucking incredible movie. Everyone needs to check it out. It's on Peacock for free. If, if you have to rent it for four or five bucks, I would strongly suggest doing it. And uh, I, I won't tell, I won't get into the actual movie itself, but Ashton Kutcher plays this uh, record producer in Texas. And um, he's talking to BJ Novak, who's the lead. And he talks to him where he says like, you know, art didn't used to bend towards us. You know what I mean? He's like, we used to buy an, an album without knowing what it sounded like. We may have only heard one song. And he said, and now because everything's on demand, you could just skim through any song ever made all the time. And he's like, so music's now like a dating app. It's just like a computer seeing what you already like and then just showing you things you already like. And you can enjoy it, but you really don't know who these artists are. Like, you can't say, like, oh, these are the three bands I'm obsessed with now. And so he wraps it up by saying, like, how could you ever fall in love with anything that way? 
if it's just computers telling you what you already like, right? And so I was thinking about that a lot where when, for someone like Santi Gold, right? I remember when her first album dropped, it's like the, the cover has like gold coming out of her mouth. And I remember just checking it out like on a whim. And I was like, oh my God, like she's so fucking cool. Like this is great. But I didn't know anything about her beyond just like seeing her name in a couple publications. Like I, I didn't have her Instagram, TikToks, hearing her song shared in 700 videos. All I could just go off was like a name and like a picture that looked kind of weird on a CD and take a dive, right? And I think to Ashton Kutcher's point and then what you're saying too about like the connection to things now because it's just instantaneous and you you're and all of us know this we we all stumble across things because they're in our wheelhouse of things we would like because <laughs> we talk to people that like mm -hmm. the same things as us all the time and we're recommended things that devices know we would like like when's the last time you just checked something no one you knew talked about you had no fucking clue what it was and you gave it your time that that was almost determined on how you went and consumed things like did you go with a group of people Mm. by yourself when you went when you went by yourself you discovered things by yourself when you went right. by yourself you were it was just you and your thoughts so you sat at a listening station you grabbed vinyl that you never knew about before you grabbed a cd with a cover look interesting yes um you know what i'm saying but but when you go with a group then you're influenced we're all running in there to get the outcasts yeah grab five of them yeah. dude, to everybody the in there. album you know what i'm saying but when you go by yourself I, I remember that was when i made my individual choices is when i would browse on my own but um, yo, let's um, let's hit our first break. Oh, we'll and be back. Come back and see you. See, the number one crew in your area is here with our debut LP, Sedale Threats, by Wrecking Crew, Castro, Prem Rock, Small Pro, Me. This album is nutso. If you love uh, the NBA, basketball, banging ass beats, Thurston How the Third, Casual. The Lost Cause, Bruiser Wolf, Alaska, Fat Boy Sharif, Controller 7, August Phenom, Fresh Kills. What are you doing? Grab this shit. Tapes are almost gone. CDs are still in stock. Vinyls on the way. Stream us everywhere on whatever platform you enjoy or support the album directly at wreckingcrew.bandcamp.com. Sedale, Sedale, Sedale. Threat! All right, we're back. Co-op culture, talking tech, art, so like, all that shit. When, I, when we're talking about consumer, uh, consumer, consumerism in pack in packs or solo, it, it's 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 relevant in the sense they like. So when me and my friends went to that summer and bought um, Wu Tang Forever, the double album, we all were there with that one mission in mind. And I noticed it. I don't remember the day, but. I wasn't looking for any other CD that day. It was a double mm. CD. That was probably all the money I had. Twenty-five dollars. Right <laughs> I was a college student, so so what it what it did was it, but it eliminated me even browsing that day. I went in there. I walked right to where the, the um the end cap was with the picture and the cardboard cutout. Grabbed one for me and a friend that was next to me, and the friend next to him grabbed his, and you know we went right to the register. Mm -hmm. It was in it. We were, it was in fact, we were trying to get in and out of the store quick because we didn't want to, you know, wait in line when it, those days there was lines when it came to releases. Mm -hmm. So just it's interesting how what makes you decide on music, especially music unknown, like you were saying. Z. 
And yeah. I think you, usually that that's that comes with solo discovery. When but you're I, in a group I, of people, maybe not. I think even if you go back to that and you look at that, though, there was like curation involved before that. Like, right. Like hmm. you're looking through certain sections hmm. and it's like, OK, like I, I'm getting it based off the album cover, but I'm also getting it based off the fact that it's in the hip hop section. True. Or it's in the rock section. Yeah. Or it's in the metal section. Like, so there, there's definitely like an element of curation, like somebody it's different than an algorithm necessarily picking it. Right. Because it's not like so perfectly honed into like this one thing you've listened to. Um, but I think there's always been curation in our life, but the, the sort of like marketing forces keep getting better and better and better and stronger and stronger. Right. Uh, and it's it's to the point where it's like kind of so insidious in our lives that we don't even see it anymore. I mean, we're mad at the algorithm, but it's something we worked on to create. Oh, we created, to, yeah. To, to make our choices for us. Like, you know, Alexa, mm-hmm. yeah. a song, you know what I'm saying? So it's definitely a monster we created. Oh, and, and, it, yeah. and, it, and it, you know, it's AI in the sense that it runs on its own, you know, just gets influenced by your decision. So it's like, you know, it's the snake eating yeah. its own tail. We are feeding it the info that it's using to, curate our stuff but we just don't have exact control over it but we are following its direction yeah exactly i mean that's the thing we've we've we're on autopilot yeah we we relinquish control yeah yeah i I think the vinyl resurgence speaks to people getting like like a stomach ache from just having an endless buffet you know i mean so we, we did 20 years of stealing music um burning on cds trading it going through playlists and all that shit and it's like when you buy vinyl it's expensive you're you're committing your time and money to it right it is not fucking convenient you can't take it with you you have to get up and like flip the fucking record over right you gotta like clean off the dust you gotta blow off the cartridge you gotta plop it down like turn on speakers and all that shit and I think what's what's interesting is, you know, even though vinyl sales have fucking exploded, um, you know, most people buy it to just show off like this is the shit I'm into and have it on a wall or a shelf somewhere. Mm-hmm. But then the people that actually listen to the records on vinyl, I feel like want to reconnect with music that way to where, like Ashton Kutcher was saying, like the, the art isn't bending to you. Like you have to have effort with every step of the way with vinyl like how to take care of it where to store it you know what i mean like and i think it's interesting that whether consciously or not the people like the people that are going to buy records have always bought records even before vinyl was cool again you know what i mean you know craig diggers producers djs people auto audio files but the way it's gotten so big like i think it's fucking cool when people want to buy our records on wax because number one, I know how much it costs for us. <laughs> number two, how tedious it is just to get it in our hands and then ship it. I mean, more so Castro and Prem with the shipping and John Wizard for my records. But um, but then three, it's like for people to want to go through that process with our music, I think is fucking cool. You know what I mean? Because it's, like I said, it's it's a cumbersome way to go about it versus, oh, let me just check out fucking 40, 40 seconds on Spotify of every song these guys have ever made. Right. I think that's sorry. Go ahead, Castro. No, I was just saying, right. Um, right. I think this kind of ties into the one of the Roy C articles that we were, we were talking about. Shasta Roy um, C. Roy the one that he wrote called uh, Advent Horizon. Okay. 
um, there's a part in there where he talks about, um, at, I think it's at Full Sail University, they teach all of their digital animators how to like first how to animate like just using two dimensional drawing, mm. then doing like 3D sculpting, like sort of basically taking you back to all the analog ways of doing things before you even get to building things in a digital world. So you have an understanding of like spatial importance and how things work, you know, sort of the steps that came before to get to here. And he was saying that, you know, he sort of sees the vinyl resurgence as the same thing. Mm. Like people are kind of lost in this mm. new world where it's like, they need to go back. And, and it's something they're like unconsciously aware of, right. That they need to go back and relearn how to listen to albums and music. Yep. And that's what a lot of this vinyl resurgence is. It's like, it's sort of getting back with the the tactile analog. Yeah. Um, and not to be the, the appearance I keep on saying that platitude, but like yeah. there's 15 year olds that have never touched <clears throat> a physical piece of music. No. Like held it in their hand or read yeah. something of it. Like, you know, we read liner notes that you read in comprehension. You can't understand liner notes if you don't know how to read. And you if you don't hold it in your hand, it's something that's missing. And it's not, we're not being nostalgic. There's something missing when you can't, when you haven't grabbed the piece of music, when you haven't held it, a vinyl, a CD, or tape, whatever, and you just listen to some digital file thing on your computer with it. The artwork's not even real. You know what yeah. I'm saying? Like, it's not even, it's a painting, but it's in a digital space. Like, you can't, you know, you can't hang it up. Like, I remember, like, cutting up my um, company flow end-to-end -end burner vinyl because the artwork is so crazy. And I mean, yeah. cutting up, like, I had to unfold it to show everything, the spine, yeah. the back, the um, intricacies, like, all that good stuff. And I think, yeah, I'm not, there's nothing wrong with telling young folks, like, look, man, you, they, you have to piece, put a piece of music in your hand. You have to hold it. You have to look at grooves you have to watch tapes you have to watch magnetic tape spin you got to watch a cdr spin and not work like you need to experience all of those things i think those are just as important as a hot file if you will you know yeah. what I mean? but but it also brings back the element of choice mm. as opposed to like you know sort of something being fed to you like being being more like a proactive and deliberate consumer as opposed to a passive consumer where it's just like, sort of like, this is what you're going to listen to. Yeah. You know, you know it's like, like, you know, it's crazy. Like I it's have not, it, music's no okay. longer soiling green when you go. Right. That way. right. I, I see it when um, I'm in the car where I have my CDs playing mm -hmm. versus like when I'm in the car with my wife, right. She's, she just has playlists going. Right. And sometimes like banging shit will come on i'll be like oh who the fuck is this you know i'll make like a little note to check that person out in that album you know but then the rest of it like it just kind of flies by like who, you know it's whatever when i play cds in my car and usually like i'll, I'll keep like de la playing mm -hmm. like i've had balloon mindset in the cd player for months and then i'll shuffle it out for like something else right sometimes i'll put in like griff or whoever one of us but I notice how much more I pay attention to it when I don't have the option to look down at a device and then change genres or like, like I'll be listening to music and I'll think to myself, Oh, like this song reminds me of how such and such flipped that. And on my phone, I'll then play that next song on my own. Right. Versus like, Nope, I can only hear fucking Patty Duke. I can only hear break of dawn. These are the okay. only songs available to me. 
Okay, and it's I'll fucking play, cool. <clears throat> I'll play devil's advocate to that just a slow. So, <clears throat> but with this with this digital um, realm we're on, it allows you to do this. You can go on these deep black yes. hole dives where one song, excuse me, <clears throat> inspires the next. So I did um, this this new Wood song on the new his new album. It'll be out. Yeah, it should be out by the time y'all hear this. And it's a song called um, Frankie. And Frankie made me think of, because there's a sample he uses that's taken from the same sample source that we, Shrapnel, used on Lazy Dog. So he went Frankie into Lazy Dog. And I don't know why, but it made me go to Impasse on the Lucid's album. Mm. Then I was was on the Lucid's album. I went to Jumanji. And then I doubled back. And for some reason, I went to If He Holla from Paraffin. You know what I'm saying? Because now I was in the Arm & Hammer chamber. Right. Listen to uh since that that Arm and Hammer song had a feature sketch at 185, made me go back to a shrapnel song that featured Rob Sonic. So like I'm doing this dance and I'm connecting these dots because I'm able to jump from song to song and album to album and all of that stuff. So I'm just saying the ability to do that leads to some beautiful things, like you were saying, Z, with the with the playlist variety where stuff mm-hmm. pops up that you forget you even have. And the fact that you can go on these like these connected dot black holes that I go on and I'll just jump around and makes me think of a song I haven't thought of in a long time. And then I can just play that just by the thought. So having that at your fingertips, that, that there's something lovely about that. Cause it'll make me go back and listen, look at my old deep files. Like I was playing my album from 2011 from some, um, some shoot from some Rome streets snippet. I was li- like things like mm, that. Right. And if you have that thought, you could immediately jump on it or you could listen to, um, <clears throat> Um, was that Mystic Mystic Brew, the original? You know what I'm saying? Because you mm-hmm. were listening to Tribe or Mob Deep or whatever, stuff like that can happen as well because of the technology. So right, versus mm-hmm. just being stuck it's, in one place. Right, like if I, I have mean, to, if I want to go listen to Thelonious, I mean, if it's weird, if I want to listen to Thelonious Monk because I'm hearing a sample of it, mm-hmm. the next hour I'm listening to Monk. I'm not, you know, you know, what's, not, you know what's interesting too about like, like being stuck in a place like, <laughs> and I'll, I'm pulling this back to what Ashton Kutcher said about like, how can you fall in love with anything when it's just things they're just being recommended to you based on shit you already like, like there's nothing really, cause you can always just go to the next thing, right? Versus like, I'm going to stop everything and just spend all fucking week playing this one thing. I thought, you know, during COVID, right? And even in this past week when, when I had COVID, my son just had it. Now my wife's in the throes of it. It's like, I I would have, if you would have told me in twenty nine end of 2019, being like, check it out. For the next two fucking years, you are going to be around your wife and son a lot. Like more than you could even fucking picture. You ready for that? I'd be like, ugh, what? I mean, I love my family, but sheesh, I need a break. And after doing that, yeah, like it's fucking draining just because having a young kid that needs attention. But I think to myself, like, what would I have done if I was single during COVID, right? Mm -hmm. People dated during COVID. People, you know, met people and did stuff. But when you could just endlessly just keep moving through shit and not have to, like, be somewhere with someone and just deal with that. It's like my wife and I watch all the dating shows and all that shit. And we watch Married at First Sight. We watch 
Love is Blind, all these shows. These motherfuckers go on these shows because they're like they're 30 something. They want to settle down. They go through these whole all these crazy things and they all fucking end up breaking up with the person anyway. You know what I mean? Because they're not really like really married. They're like married on a show or like they're engaged on a show. But it's not like, yo, we've been married for seven fucking years. Our beneficiaries, like everything's locked in. We got to figure this out versus like, well, you know, it's, it's going to do good for my Instagram, even though I just got divorced on Netflix on a TV show. So like, I'll just move on. You know what I mean? And I feel like as listeners or just consumers of art, like when, when movies now, like just talk about movies and not art, not, not music, when a movie like Vengeance when I see a movie like that and it just like haunts me for days and days, I now can, you know, pull it up again and watch it for free on Peacock. When it's taken off Peacock, I can't watch the fucking thing because I don't own it. You see what I'm saying? Like, or well, when we used to watch it in the theater, you get to watch it once that year before it comes back. You know, but you, but you remember too, dude, like <laughs> how people would just go to the movies and just see a Multiple movie again time. that they saw. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or you would just like, you know, after a night of drinking, go to like Virgin Record Store, go downstairs to the DVD section and, and buy something. three movies that you're oh, like, I'm going to yeah. love these movies and watch them over and over and over again. Yes. But what about those ones that you buy? Like you think in that last and then you just watch it once and it just goes into the shelf and you don't watch it again. But yeah. so That's the is, it, is it worth that $20 if you only watched it at one time? You don't go back and watch the special features like, you know. Yeah, I mean, I guess like, you know, I think if you're not, you know, I, I can't think of like many like CDs or movies that I bought that I was like, and I didn't like that. I was like, damn, I never should have bought that. Mm-hmm. It's just, <laughs> sorry, it's just something that sits in the collection. I used to have a lot of blind movie purchases because of what I was getting the three for 10. Oh, yeah. Just certainly. because I'm getting a yeah. deal. Yeah. Give me three. Take a shot. Yeah, and, let me, yeah, and then well, I remember I would buy like and these are bootlegs, but I would buy two two ones I was definite about that I wanted, and yeah. then one like shot in the dark. One right. Shot in the dark. And see the yeah. shot in the dark thing, this is what is eliminated from an algorithmic life of digital yeah. footprints. There are no shots in the dark because everything is like, no, 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 you wouldn't you wouldn't like that because the last 50 things you checked aren't that. Yeah. So we're not gonna sh- put that in front of you. I mean, but there's always will be buyer's remorse, won't there? We always like want to give back some product for some reason, a, a dented can, for Christ's sake. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, I mean, at some point, but I, I, I see what you're saying. Z. Like, they're eliminating, like, I'm not going to a shelf with a whole bunch of brands they've already picked. Sure. Yes. My favorite brands before I hit the aisle. But you're, not, you're also not going to find that like great thing that you didn't even know about. Correct. Because right, because that, they eliminated. Like, it's like the way uh, you think about things. What is that? Right. That was that gymnastics or, or certain contests. We eliminate your high and your low score. Yeah, here's, here's a great example. Right, score. here's a great example. PJ Harvey. Mm-hmm. Right, I've talked about her a bunch. Before this year, fucking never listened to her ever, and I knew of her for twenty some years. And she's never recommended. She's never come up on any recommended thing ever. Spotify, Apple Music, never. When what's name came out, Castro, Yellow Jackets, and one of her songs came on, I was like, "Oh my god, this song's fucking amazing!" I'm like, "That's PJ Harvey's music," and then I just spent all of the beginning of 2022 like listening to each one of her albums front to back over the course of like a week each, and I started figuring out which ones I liked. Right, but where did that come from? Yellow Jackets putting in like 90s 
grunge, um, like Riot Girl and alt music, right? Mm-hmm. But none of these algorithms dared to put that in front of me because nothing I was listening to would let them know I might like that shit. That was a shot in the dark. You see what mm-hmm. I'm saying? And then I became like obsessed. That's that's sort of the if you go back to like the end of like the the first end of like physical music and right. like radio dying and like all those things dying when you started getting placement in shows that's mm. when your record will break right. so it's it's mm-hmm. basically like they've gotten better at that because there's so much more content for that yes, so yes. there's a way like and i think maybe like 10 or 15 years from now the algorithm will be wild different mm. like you know or like the way that we consume streaming music will be wild different but true um i think that there are definitely like elements to that there where it's like there at that point there weren't like 900 different music directors putting music on shows right so you weren't getting all these different tastes and and maybe there will be like different algorithmic settings within you know your own universe that like gives you all the different shit you want right but um i think like i think of it like goldfish right like the only way a goldfish grows is if their environment gets bigger. Mm, okay. So the algorithm is our fishbowl. And like, depending on how tiny we allow that to be. Right. That's how tiny our world is. And that's how, how tiny we are. But how autopilot do you allow it? If you go in there and manipulate your algorithm, it can do what you want it to exactly, do. Exactly. Yeah. If you let it run on autopilot, then it's going to do what it, it wants yeah. to do. Um, almost. Yeah. I mean, I, I think there's also elements that we kind of forget <laughs> about, like Castro, you were talking about like going through these deep dives. Yes. Like that's essentially making mixtapes, right? Yes. Like we were yeah, always, also, yeah. that culture has always existed. Right. Um, But so much more now we go on autopilot, whereas you took that on, I'm going to follow this path that I'm creating as opposed to, I'm going to follow this path that's laid out for me. I mean, yeah, sometimes I'll go and like, I'll be looking like funny. I was looking for songs from like 2000 with these groups that I used to work with in New Jersey, one of them mm-hmm. called the All Nighters. And I found somebody that uploaded a song or two of theirs on YouTube. Mm-hmm. And so I went to his channel. This is what I'm a YouTube fanatic. If anybody asks me, I'm like this YouTube guru. And I found like these 60 or 600 video playlists of old like Jersey groups from back in the oh, day that might have dropped wow. one or two songs or had a 12 inch or even like a, their own CD. And it was a That's picture cool. of the CD, it's just a white label with a little writing or like some, um, you know, you get the generic word processing done on it. And it'd be like their two um, songs. And I did find one song, well, I found like four songs from that group I was looking for, my old group I used to hang out with the All Nighters. And it's just something like, you know, just people archiving and stuff like that. So like mm-hmm. that one and, and that one, I'm just using that example because I'll just press play on that and let it go. And then it'll be like, oh, damn, I remember these guys, the Wallflowers or the Lord, whoever, like these one off groups, you know what I'm saying? That you had chance encounters with and somebody took the time to upload it. And I'll just let that lead me, you know, sometimes. But I, I, I will say like when I I used to when, when it really got going. I would I would do like that deep shuffle. If I had a long trip, I'd just press shuffle on my, you know, when we had like iPods, right. not necessarily the iPhones or any of the Wi-Fi stuff. It was just like the contain unit which you would load up at home. And you would forget that you even have songs or something you oh, haven't yeah. listened to in three or four years or a demo, you know, that you really like, but you, you know, didn't make it. So I I, I don't want to look a gift technological horse in the mouth, but 
I, I, I just see the pros and the cons. Yeah, I mean, I think I think before like we completely only fixate on like streaming services, I think there there's other elements that we need to look at, like how much does limited run vinyl commodify what we do as opposed to sort of the enjoyment of the art or is it rather just the enjoyment of the rarity of this item the collector the, the collector is like right yeah. so you know the, i think there's an element of that there that like we as artists have some responsibility for this position that we put ourselves in as well like mm. you know like there's so many people i hear being like completely exhausted by chasing band camp friday Oh, yeah. Yes, right. Like we talk about that. Yes, you know, like, like they, they put all their resources into hitting that mark. Yeah, and yeah. you let it control the way you create. Because let, let's let's say you have a decent Bandcamp Friday, but it's one day. So now, yeah. what are you gonna do? If you if you had all your rollout and all that gear to, now what are you gonna do? It's now it's now yeah. it's it's Saturday. Now it's Monday. It's Tuesday. Do you have any gimmick? Yeah. There's no Bandcamp Tuesday. What do you do? Right. Yeah. You know, and then, then you're just like, I have to have something ready again for next month. Yeah. And you just forget about the thing that you just did previously. Exactly. And it, and you're you're training your can your fans mm -hmm. to treat your music that way because that's how you're treating your music. Yeah. Disposable arts. Yep. Shout out to Master Ace, one of his great projects. Disposable yep. arts. I really love that record. But he was he was making a statement to what we're talking about now, yeah. and again, listeners, I don't want to do. We're not being nostalgic or whatever like that. Like this is just no. the, the nature of our beast, you know. Once things became a certain way, mm -hmm. digital in the digital landscape, mm -hmm. you know, with everything, the art album, you know, people and then people want brevity. Like songs are way shorter now. I'm I'm yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm guilty of that. There's no three three verses. You know what am I, Cole? Like, when I listen, to... I think that's an improvement. I do too, yeah. but I, but yeah. but that is a natural like devolution or evolution where yeah. you look at it from back in the day, four and a half minute songs with third yeah. verse coming in after the bridge, mm -hmm. not yeah. just not just a hook. We get a whole no, hook and, and bridge. I then think another verse. the the sort of scope of art has expanded amazingly. Like it's you know, there's so much different styles of shit that you could get right now that you couldn't 15 years ago. Right, it's true. You had like two chambers 15 years ago. Now you got like 47. True. True. So like, yeah, there, there are tons of benefits and it's, there was never a golden age where it was like, man, the industry is taking care of artists. <laughs> no, that, fucking and, never. And, and if you want to, we, we don't want to talk golden age. That should be the title of that right. era. Whenever that is yeah. to happen, which probably never, that should be golden yeah. age, not no 98 or two, not, not a bunch of no. releases where we're still slaves to the industry. Yeah. When no, they take yes. care of us. That should be the golden age. Exactly. So how about this? Why, why don't we take a break and then I want to come back and maybe we can wrap up with this uh this Roy C idea based on Bruce Almighty with Jim Carrey, right. which I thought was fucking brilliant. Yeah. All right, let's do that. Call our culture. We'll be right on back now. You hear? What's going on, Call Our Culture listeners? Smitty Healthy here. Producer half of Mighty Cannons, the collab album between myself and Ace Cannons on Grimy Nobody Records. I'ma just be honest, you're not gonna find more excitement and action planned in the 30 minutes. Production-wise, we got 8,357 beat switches on there. I am not exaggerating. We have beats with actual drums and bass. Wow, what a concept. Your favorites don't do that. We have lyrics that are insulting. You want to be insulted for 30 minutes? 
And it's not just by Ace. We got Decide the Gift on there. We got King Mike and Infamous on there for all my King Mighty 1 and 2 listeners. Substance 810. We got Jamil Honesty twice on there. And we got DJ Grasshopper doing some scratching. Oh, and you know, we got Capadonna just chilling on track 8. Hi, go check that out. The Mighty Cannons is out everywhere on every streaming platform. Spotify, Apple, LimeWire, Radio Shack, you name it. But if you want to give us money, which you should, you should go to GrimeyNobody.com. That's G-R-I-M-E-Y Nobody.com. The website is beautiful. The merch is handsome. I think we still have a couple vinyl left. We're not like the other guys. We're not going to wait 28 months for a vinyl because it's shipping out of Earth 612. If you get a vinyl now, you probably get it in a week or two. And if it's international, about three weeks. We still got CDs left. We got a couple of shirts. We have three-foot frame posters. I mean, whatever whatever your fancy is, you probably got it. Somebody said that it might be 20% by the time you hear this. Or not. You never know. You got to check it out. Anyway, Ace Cannons, Mighty Healthy, Mighty Cannons, out everywhere. Grimy Nobody Records. Okay, bye. We're back. Call out culture is getting culties. So, um, all right. So, shouts to Roy Christopher, our first guest ever in the history of the show. He was supposed to come on, couldn't make it tonight. Um, but this is an article he has that Alaska shared with us uh, in preparation for the show, and it's tied into the long tail, which is pretty famous uh, ideology. Came out maybe 15 years ago. How the internet, especially with Amazon specifically, how instead of monoculture and just having you know a set amount of choices locked in the long tail aka amazon back then is like hey you can get every kind of fucking book that ever existed here and now you can get like a plunger and you can get toilet paper and you can get hoodies like it's not just oh you only go to one store to get yeah. one type of thing right true true and so and how amazon created the long tail of like infinite options and choices where me and castro could sell plungers online only and make a fucking killing and never have it on the shelf at home depot right mm-hmm. so the people that like our brand were huge but the overwhelming people that go to home depot to buy plungers have no fucking clue who we are so that's like in very short way of talking about what the long tail and the short tail and stuff is so the point um which which roy nailed is tied into like the whole 15 minutes of fame thing which is you know the famous saying uh from warhol but he ties it into not only the 15 minutes of fame but like how in the last 20 years the long tail is everything and how you know monoculture and mainstream culture really aren't a big imposing figure you're trying to like work around anymore so he talks about in bruce almighty which i forgot this scene where when jim carrey becomes god you know he has to answer prayers and he was getting an email inbox with people praying and he was responding via inbox to where he just got so exhausted by it he just did like an auto response just said yes to every prayer that came in and so a lot of the prayers were to win the lottery, which anybody who's a degenerate knows, like, of course you pray to you with the fucking scratch off every day. That 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 goes without saying, right? And so in the movie, um his sister hits it and then his wife hits it, and then she says, Oh yeah, there were four hundred and thirty-three thousand other lottery winners. 
So it only yeah. paid out seventeen dollars. Yep. <laughs> I forgot about this. Yep. And so, because everyone who prayed to God to win the lottery, because he put on yes, they all got it. But they all won seventeen bucks. Seventeen dollars. Right. Yep. So, Roy's point of the article was like, because anyone can create content now and be famous to fifteen people for fifteen minutes, you'll get about seventeen dollars for your effort. Which, yeah. which is about right when it comes to what everyone, you know, everyone begrudges like the Spotify playouts and all, payouts and all that shit, right? Yeah, like the fame pie is, is way more slices than it used to be. Like right. Two so, people hitting a fame plateau. Yes. Now it's now it's 20 people, 30 right. people. So like think about, so, so going back to Santa Gold, right? Where for her back in 2000, I don't know, I'm just going to guess 2007 when she, when she first came out. Like how many people could put out an album on a shelf in a store? In 2007. Probably 40 or 50. I mean, yeah. Period. Who knows? I'm just saying period. Like, you know. I mean, Alaska yeah, did it. Mad records out there. Right. Like. No, it, just, it, just having the ability. I was just saying like. Yeah, like year. just to get through that whole machine. 40 or 50. Invest I mean, it's probably more, so, but I'm just saying the average of like. I, I think that there's something interesting about Santa Gold in this whole thing. Okay. Is much like Grey's Anatomy being like the new sort of model. <laughs> Okay. She was also the beneficiary of like pitchfork culture taking over. Oh, yeah, that's right. Yes. Like a new, oh, a new guard forming that was like sort of disregarding the old. Like she was Correct. part of that wave that was like, yep. this industry is dying. Yep. Here's the new the new industry. Correct. So I think like it shows you how established that industry has become. Like it's always this sort of form of creative destruction that happens. Where it's like the old way has to die for the new way to come forward. Right. Um, and I'm not saying like she's wrong in her her letter. Like I think her letter actually was really eloquent, elo- eloquent and like thoughtful and nuanced. It wasn't like, you know, it wasn't like a woe is me type of thing. It was like, right. this is my personal truth and I'm figuring out how to deal with it. And this is how I'm choosing to deal with it. Like right. You know, she wasn't saying like, oh, you know, like go hit up my fucking GoFundMe at the end. Of yeah, it, right? it wasn't uh-huh. like, we've seen that shit. It wasn't like a pitch for like somebody to try to get their carburetor fixed. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but <laughs> keep that in. Yeah. Um, you know what I'm saying? It's like, but there there is that element that we might be missing when mm. we're talking about all these things. Like when when all of this shakes out. Five years from now. Right. We might see this as the beginning of the new era. Okay. Which was like kind of Santa Gold was at that time. Like she was so I said, like her and MIA, like that. Yeah. They were a beginning of an thing. era that now might be ending. Yeah, because like they're in their mid forties now. Yeah. You know what I mean? And their like, fans are too. Like their fans right. are gone. You know, and, like and the tricky part is for her and what she was talking about, like 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 lamenting the price of Everything, you know, gas being fucking astronomical. I mean, it has gone down. Thanks, Biden. Fucking lower the gas, asshole. I loved all that. <laughs> um, like the president controls the fucking gas yeah. prices with a knob. Um, but flights are fucking obscene. Like everyone's playing catch up like Castro said from the last couple of years of not having a lot of money coming in the door. Yeah. So I get it. Uh, you know, Blueprint talked about it. That's why he just got a fucking CDL and became a truck driver. He was just like, yeah. fuck that. Like I can't afford to do three shows when in the past I would have done nine. Yeah. Like that doesn't even make sense for me. So I feel like she's in that middle ground of she's like, and my point of saying like how many people were actually able to put out music 
when she first dropped compared to now. Yeah. You know, it's Cash and I were talking about this the other day about like one of the episodes of Atlanta when you watch that fucking white dude in the studio. What's that motherfucker's name? Um, oh, yeah. Uh, I forget his name. I know you're talking. Yeah. 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 The, the dude with the bar mitzvah money, whatever. Right. And I was saying to Castro, we were talking about like how, how it was like a fucking quest to be able like to get to the like, number one, get beats just to get a beat was like really a challenge mm-hmm. and a beat that you could actually write to and maybe enjoy and then get a studio and then get a book and like do all these things just to make like a song. And then when you watch Atlanta, it's just like, dickheads in the studio like fucking mumbling doing what i mean just having a fucking ball just okay turn this on like i don't know this will be the hook uh uh-huh. you know it's just a leisurely activity versus like this is a serious fucking quest for me to express myself and so for someone like santi gold it's like she i think it's interesting because she was of that time where even though she was a part of a shifting industry now <laughs> she, the industry shifted seven trillion times since that day yeah and she's in a spot of like, as she was breaking it down, well, if I account for escalating prices of all these pieces that go into touring and the physicals aren't going to hold me down like that, maybe, and the streaming's going to you know, give me, you know, fractions of a dollar, depending on whatever deal she signed. And she said, like, I keep everything just keeps getting worse and worse. Like, why the fuck would I do this? That, that doesn't really make any sense for me. And so I think what to back to Roy's point too from like Bruce Almighty is like, yeah, we can. I mean, look at us. We we have a fucking great pod. We have hundred thousand fucking plays and a Patreon and a vibrant art scene, and we make like you know, cool little cash here and there. You know what I mean? It's not like the Joe Rogan experience or the Bill Simmons pod, right? But we're allowed to now have a voice and do this. Where you know, in two thousand seven, it was just fucking Bill Simmons and Mark Marin with podcasts that was it you know what i mean so i think i think it's cool because it does let more people in the mix but the payoff is 17 dollars yeah Yeah, i mean it's it's all like i mean like touring was always an economy of scale right like the more shows you had the more it made sense to do Mm. right like the more like you know less driving you had between gigs the more sense it made so if like you were saying if you're doing three shows over a two-week period there's no no rhyme or reason that that's going to work out for you right unless you're like you know not like stadium. la yes. san francisco and oakland right right that's over a two-week period but yeah you know for like the the blue collar musician Mm-mm. i don't even know if that's like i mean i guess it is like there are people that are doing it but the rhyme and reason has to be right yeah that's yeah that's you know they're I think that there, in some ways, with the expansion of everything, there is less national acts, like people that can do like a national tour. Hmm. Yeah. Hmm. Like, you know, in, like in, in the indie world, or just in general? I, I mean, in the indie world, I, yeah. you know, in okay. general, I think if you bring in the mainstream, but like, I'm actually surprised that like some of the acts that I'm like, you're selling out Barclays Center. <laughs> word i think but, you know, um, but like, i think it also blurred those regional lines a bit yeah there was a lot more regional success in the 90s like you could like i tell people like you think flow ride is not banking because you don't see him past he plays them fucking casinos now bro i see him yeah. i see him playing the hard rock in ac 
Mm-hmm. That's a yeah, nice he fucking does, he does heavy Florida gigs, and I'm, you know, yeah. But as far as like you ask New Yorkers about Florida or anybody in Oakland, they don't. They're like, what? He's still around? Yeah, yeah. You know, so, um, yeah. I I, I think I will say this: I will reserve judgment to say if the industry is growing for the better or for the worse. I I, I, I still think the jury's out on that. Yeah, I think I I think we we're not gonna know for another five years. Okay, fair enough. You know, like, but because you like you say in Alaska, there might. I mean, be they're they're trying shift. to create AI artists, so they might not need us. <laughs> yeah, but you said a first first go round didn't really work. Yeah, but it didn't. But you know, they'll learn. They'll adapt. They'll learn. Yeah, <laughs> some T one thousand shit. Yeah, exactly. Like, like that, that that doesn't mean it's done. You know. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, but again, it has to make money. So the first flop, they're not going to come back until yeah. it's right. I mean, look, back in the day, like if it was found out that somebody had a ghostwriter, their career was oh, over. Oh, God, yeah. And now it's everybody got a ghostwriter and they're like upfront about it. I mean, shoot, it, back in the day, it broke my heart to find out that Humpty Hump and Shock G were the same person. Dude, remember, remember that movie fucking Simone with Al Pacino? No, that was like 20 no. years ago. And that was about a fucking like AI model or some shit. And everyone was like in love with her. Oh, wow. it was just like she was just on the screen. Yeah, I think they, yeah, they don't have any. It was just a screen. Yeah, wow. yeah, that shit was fake as shit. <laughs> Shout out to Simone. <laughs> no one knows the fuck that. Right. Al Pacino's think, made I, some fucking trash movies. I, I man. think we have got to the bottom of our bucket in terms of references <laughs> and analogies tonight. We've been all over the place. I can't even remember some of the ones we said. But, yeah. uh, well, this, about, this is a killer content people get only here. <laughs> disposable yeah. art. So, let it just be a slang term and let's not it doesn't need to be a reality to, to make our art as disposable as it's become oh yeah. my god you know what I'm saying oh yeah we, I mean we still, we still have a shot of, uh, I mean we still we, we still dictating value you know what I'm yeah. saying so it's, it's still still there people still hold Nas in high reverence I mean the day I see Nas in the bin like Ill, the day I see Illmatic in that dollar bin I'll be like okay yeah but that, I mean you'll never see that I'll be like no. seeing like I've like seen like dollar bin. You know, I'm, I've seen Eagles Empire like Strikes bin. Back in dollar bin. Well, it it, it belonged Word? there the first day it came out. Oh, I saw cool. it in the, like like a five nine nine bin like that. That's okay. In the album, like a yeah. Burlington Colt Factory. But um, <laughs> yeah. But I'm no. I'm just saying. Like, I mean, Cold I mean, seriously, Factory, it doesn't belong there. But one day we might see like a super discount of like ready to die. Like yeah, for, you know, for like ten bucks. Like remember those movies that were out like ten, like um um Broken Arrow. That yeah. was always like on super sale at like whatever supermarket. I know, but it, you know, at one point that was like a blockbuster with John Travolta, Samantha Mathis, Shasta Her, and um Howie Long, Christian Slater. You know what I'm saying? So like, I, it's just I, I don't want. I'm braced for that. I'm braced to see Thug Life for like four ninety nine, strictly for my M bombs, just because. <laughs> but Thug Life, no Thug Life in particular, because I remember it it it, it been went on this. What did that stand for? The, um, the hate you give, um, something about the youth. No, li- the, lives the, in lives. No, it lives. Um, hate you. The, the hate you give lives infinitely. Fuck everything. Oh, yeah, I like that. Yeah, fuck everything. Alaska, what's your na- your rap name stand for again? All lyrical, all skills. I want to uh, do a, a episode about hip hop acronyms. I definitely want to. We oh, we need a one shot. All. Lyrical no, always killing shit asshole. There was one yeah, that was like a drunk one, and then it was asshole. one. 
<laughs> I love I love like just the Wait, say it again. Always lyrical. All always lyrical. Um As always shit. killing shit, asshole. Always lyrical, always killing shit. Asshole. The asshole at the part really just sums you up beautifully. <laughs> Your rap name slams other people like in a very degrading way. Like I'm always killing shit, asshole. Is there another one? Is there like a I'm super dickhead. lyrical one? Is there like one that's more like no, that was always it. Oh, okay. Yeah. I, I should have thought of a good acronym for my name. I, I just I was I missed the boat. The best one is Memphis Bleak. What does his stand for? Bleak is is short for Malik. His his sister used to say his name wrong. Okay. But Memphis stands for making easy money, pimping hoes in style. Nice. <laughs> Wait, I learned what that am from I missing? Ego trip a book rap Wait, a book of rap list. Alaska, you say always lyrical. What's the other A? What am I missing? Always oh. lyrical. Always killing shit. Killing asshole. shit, asshole. <laughs> oh no, that's backwards. Shit. No, that's right. Alaska. Oh, there's an S in front of the K. Alaska. Always lyrical. Oh. Always. I thought it was always lyrical as shit. Killing Maybe assholes. That's what killing killing lyrical assholes. Lyrical always shit. lyrical as shit. Killing assholes. <laughs> killing assholes. <laughs> I mean, you know, no hetero. But hey yo, yeah. hey yo, whatever. Yo, did, did you guys see my tweet the other day about that Royce of Five Nine lyric? No, you didn't see that shit. No. What did he say? I was listening to some. Oh, because My, Mighty Healthy posted a tweet about um, shout to Mighty Healthy, uh, DJ Clue, the professional two, mm-hmm. and I I had the professional one. I ran it into the ground, and I remember when two came out, I was like, something's off about this one. I don't know if I like it, and it had that that horrible um. Cream 2001 song with Raekwon and Ghost, where the yeah. beat, the rhyming is crazy, but the beat is fucking disastrous, right? So there's a song called What the Beat Did. It's Eminem, Royce, and Method Man. Oh, God. And it is, the the beat is one of the worst beats of all time. Who produced and, it? Uh, I don't know, Clue or whoever. Um, and Royce said, they say this kid be rude like it can't be true. I'll suck my own dick as if I had a rib removed, right? Oh my God! But that's not a, that's that's not the worst one. The worst but, one. But is, but here's the ahead. best part. When he does that, someone else's voice in the background goes, "Hey yo!" <laughs> I think the worst one is the revelation because people didn't know when Baby was saying because I think of the accent. He's like, "I like to fuck him in the ass while he." While he beat up the, I like to fuck him in the ass while he beat up the pussy. So <laughs> implying that there's, it's a DP, but there's another guy there already. Oh my god! And he says, and I remember like people are doing this TikTok about they just going on. It's um one of the big time songs. I like to fuck him in the ass while she beat it, while he beat up the, while, while my man beat up the pussy, and then because oh. they like you realize, <laughs> wait a minute, somebody else is there. Like what's going on? <laughs> And it's like that, like my homie can't get none type shit. But yeah, that's oh, I, I swear that's the lyrics. And I was like, and it's one of those songs, Burp. It's that song we've all sung or we all know of heard, and we didn't right. really hear that line. It's like, yeah, it's like a record scratch, like when 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 that uh that KRS line. Oh, he, on, he's on like he's like heavy. Yeah, yeah, here I goes. He says, I like to fuck something bad. I like to fuck him in the ass while he beat up the like my mom. I like to fuck him in the ass while my man beat up the pussy. And you're like, what? <laughs> I wish know? listeners could see Castro's face. He keeps tilting his head like, what? what? Like, how close are your balls? Where are your balls? In They're brushing up again. Balls. They're oh, causing friction. Ball bearings right there. You do that. has to be advice for y'all young listeners. North, south. 
There's another guy, North South. Understand? Put a pull out a compass if you need to, and put it on her back. North South. You at one end, and you at the other. Do not have. Yeah. Do not do like baby with the she, ball. Yeah, there, yeah. There need there needs to be at least three and a half feet. What no would space. be good for men if balls reacted like magnets of the same polarity, how they just push away from each other? If that was built into balls where you like, oh, I can't even get down there because you saw the balls in there. Ooh, my my waist is just it is shifting. Now they're like clackers. I'm like, clack, 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 clack. <laughs> if oh balls had God. a natural repellent to other yeah. balls in their vicinity, I think it would be beneficial and it would it would totally destroy the porn industry because it couldn't be uh, it would yeah the, the porn is the porn industry's capsizes thank god for that but you know yeah the, i i i, I just love royce being like i want a song with method man and eminem let me talk about sucking my own dick with a rib removed <laughs> call hey, out man. culture come for the hip-hop commentary stay for the kink shame <laughs> i just love how an old one someone in the studio was like they heard him do that and they just went they got them no, no record this real quick record Hey, yo, when he said that, I was like, but I mean, if you amazing. really need evidence, baby likes to fuck him in the ass while he built up the pussy. You know? <laughs> Somebody else is there already. Somebody has started before me. Oh, my God. All right. I, I'm done. I'm, I'm yeah, drunk. Thanks for this. that. And I was going to shout out the KRS line with uh, with Big Pun and AG on Drop It Heavy, where he says, I'm giving more rhythms than gang rapes in prison. <laughs> God, he's the worst. That was like 97 talking about like why why, why are you talking from like there? a voyeuristic position or something happened to you? I think like, we I'm... need like a tournament of 64 of the worst sex rappers. <laughs> oh, that'd be so bad. It really it would have to be well, like no, a sweet wait, 16. Don't I don't we think want... we could do 64. Okay, no, that's 64. what I'm saying. We want to we want to find the worst 16. one or we want to eliminate worst. the worst one. No, wanna... find the worst. Oh, that might who, be who, yeah, who stands at the top yeah. when it's all said and done. I mean, it's Nas. Like, what are you Here, here's kind I of mean, a, here's a, here's a, is pretty bad too, though. He's bad. And Cool Keith has some weird stuff in there. Yeah. So. Can let me ask? Can, can a female Eminem. MC? Yo, he's horrible. Can a female MC like be a horrible sex rapper? Some can, but but yeah. it's funny because there's a whole it there's a there's an asterisk to that because there's a whole genre about talking about sex that girls do way better than right. Them. They're just yeah. better at it. Some I just think they're way they, better. Some of them just have a whole career of talking about sex and it's accepted. But they we're don't make songs like Nas, you know. No, we're clunky as hell with it. They, but, but what I'm saying is they, that's already been accepted. That smoothness from you know back in the day, Kim. For me, even Roxanne Shanti from way back about girls talking a certain yeah. way. Yeah, they just better at it. So now they can do it as a whole genre. So I don't even. I would. I think, unfortunately, and I'm just being honest, the ones that it it doesn't work is if I don't know. The girl just looks like she can't do what she's talking about. Whether she's attractive uh, or not, I'm not saying she, I, I didn't want to say fully like she's unattractive, so the right. rhyme doesn't work. But if you're just looking at it like Lady Luck, you know, I'm, I'm oh, not man. believing lingerie rhymes from her. I'm not. Yeah, I'm not really trying to hear Hurricane G. Oh, I, oh, <laughs> don't that be a love hey, song yo, for Poppy. me? Be me in the back seat. We get it popping. Oh, I love me some Hurricane G. Don't I do too? Started. But I'm just thinking of like, I feel like it would be the equivalent of Nas. Oof, it would be pretty clunky. Yeah. Yeah, Poppy, why that belt on to stop me? Oh my God. <laughs> Hurricane G talk. This All right, I'm definitely out of it. Hurricane G talk. You know, you, when I get into my Hurricane G talk, you know, I'm, I'm passing. We did it. Uh, metal lung available now from Shrapnel. They're going to be on the road soon by the go time this vinyl. airs. Go buy vinyl. We'll, uh, we're going on the road with the one and only Billy Woods who dropped another surprise yeah. album on y'all suckers. <laughs> And um, 
we'll have a whole host of merch. So please come ready to purchase and get there may be a Beyonce of the underground. Yeah. Could be. Could be. Yes. Like you, if you do a search right now on Twitter, people are just buzzing about this thing. I was about spinning my feet all day because of like the overseas cats have gotten already. Oh, they have. Is that yeah, where it's coming? That's from? what. That's like, what. That's where. The, well, I thought somebody was, just dropped something like cryptic. No. So what happened is like you know how Spotify will go live with something the yeah. day before, and all of the um songs are opaque, like you can't click yeah. on anything. Right. But that's because it's a um. Somebody said it's called a regional release where it's wherever it's twelve o'clock, it's going to release rather than it being twelve o'clock. Gotcha. American time and then gotcha. whatever corresponding time international goes out. Most of the time, that's what happens. But sometimes when it's regional release, they'll get it five hours before, six hours before midnight for us, wherever they're at. Mm. They're ahead of us. And um, like Africa already has it. Damn. Um, New Zealand already has it. So I, I think that's that area. Um, nice. Australia, whatever, is the same. They probably already have it. But, you know, we're recording late. So if y'all stay up for another hour, <clears throat> oh yeah it's worth it though it's 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 it, come on it's, it's it's ridiculous at this point that is his mastery of this thing it's it's like funny like how yeah it's crazy he is. Mm. um not to be outdone <clears throat> you can get metal long that's all i'm saying all right i love woods he's the fucking best doing it we know this maybe he'll come on the show again at some point um fuck with that metal long shit fuck with that don't wait for me to leave shit please yes I love it. Um, and uh, Alaska and I, we're, 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 you know, getting in album mode a little bit, a little yeah. bit. Wait, you know? Alaska, you dropping something for the years out, aren't you? Um, no. Potentially. Okay. Uh, unlo- unlikely. Unlikely. Well, no. the, uh, the... Not y'all, I'm just saying. Oh, Alaska, gotcha. Yeah. Alaska's release for this year. Yeah. You'll yeah. drop something before the years out, though, Alaska. Possibly. We'll see. Okay. Yeah. But uh, yeah. I got a lot of stuff that's near completion right now. Yeah, buddy. Cool. So, all right, yeah. that's all I got. Oh, and then rest in peace, Coolio, my man. Love yeah. Coolio so much. It's really sad. I'm gonna see if I could do a used records episode on a, "It Takes a Thief," which to I'm me is a fucking classic West Coast record. Peace to the God. Definitely a contributor that didn't get a lot of his flowers, but if people really take a little look, they'll find yeah. out how influential he was and how important he he is. Though, like, listen to those WC and the Mad Circle albums. He really goes off on those. Oh yeah, he definitely is featured on. That. I forgot. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Rest in peace to a, to an original. Mm, definitely an original. Yeah. Fuck yeah. All right, we call out culture. Yes, and we out of here. All right. Peace. peace.